So we're going to be looking at, as we're going through the 10 marks of a healthy church, right now we're looking at the mark of evangelism. Evangelism. Sharing the truth of Jesus Christ with those who do not believe, with those who are not saved. Lifting up the gospel in prayer and sharing scripture with the hope that people who do not believe would come to believe, that God would make them alive so that they would believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So last week we looked at Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. And as I said last week, if you're ever struggling with, oh, how do I do evangelism? How do I share the gospel? What do I say? That's what I encourage you. Just read Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. Just read that to the person. Say, hey, could I share a passage of Scripture with you? And if they say, sure, then just read Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10, and then say, do you have any questions? And then hopefully that sparks a dialogue where you can explain what grace is and that gift and those type things. But it's all there in Ephesians 2. So this week we're looking at another passage of Scripture that helps us understand about sharing the gospel. And this week we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Here we see a very important passage of Scripture where the Apostle Paul is explaining what it means to sacrifice everything, to give up one's own rights, one own, give up one's own energy, to give up your money, to give up your time, to give up your life for the sake of the lost, that they would come to salvation. Wow, that's a humbling of oneself. And what that does is it says the gospel is the most important thing. Not my wants, my desires. No, it's the gospel. And people coming to Christ is the most important thing. So that's what we're going to be looking at at this week. So I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 27. And you can find it on page 1134 in the Bibles provided in the chairs. 1 Corinthians 9, starting at verse 19. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone. To win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew. To win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law I became like one not having the law. (laughs) Though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all means I might save some. 
I do all this for the sake of the gospel. That's it. That's the key. That I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Let us go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would give us wisdom and understanding and discernment, that you would guide us into truth in this time. Father, that it is our hope, that is our prayer, that we may share the gospel and lift up your Son, Jesus Christ, at all times and always possible. In Christ's wonderful name, Amen. As we look through this passage of Scripture, again, I want to emphasize verse 23. So this is the focus of this passage of Scripture, verse 23. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. All for the gospel. All for the opportunity to lift up salvation in Jesus Christ. All. Everything. All of my life becomes centered and focused and deliberately about sharing the salvation, the grace, the love, the joy, and the goodness that I have in Jesus Christ. What he did on the cross, that the tomb is empty, and that he's coming again, that becomes my life. And the whole focus and the whole center of everything, whether it be my play, whether it be my work, whether it be my devotions, whether it be my quiet time, Whatever is an aspect of my life, whether it be with my family, my children, or my parents, or whether it be with aunts and uncles, whoever you're with in relation, or neighbors, or co-workers, you're out on the street, everything becomes centered on the gospel, on the gospel. See, the Apostle Paul is talking about here that first of all, you would realize your own gratitude, your own thanksgiving, that God and His grace would save you and me, that He would save us in understanding what that meant, that Jesus would take our sin upon His innocent self, 
That Jesus, though he was holy, would bear God's wrath that we deserve so that we may receive forgiveness and love and be made right. That the Holy Spirit would actually come and dwell within us so that we could give God praise and glory and honor forever and ever. So that becomes the foundation of our life. That becomes everything. That God has done this thing that we could not do. We could do nothing to save ourselves. We could contribute nothing to our salvation because before God makes us alive, we are dead in our sins. So that becomes the foundation of everything. So if that is who we are and that is what identifies us as people who have been saved by God's grace and His Son, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, if that becomes our identity, then that becomes the center of every conversation, of every relationship, of every opportunity to lift up the gospel. That's how, how central this is. That's how central this is. When we realize what it means to go from death to life and what it means to go from eternal punishment and condemnation to eternal joy and peace and love in God's grace for God to take us from one direction to the other, then how much more would we want every other person to also experience that? This is good. This is right. So this becomes the passion and motivation of our heart. So we see the Apostle Paul talking about this that all things is for the sake of the gospel. So the Apostle Paul so structures his life that everything is about the spreading of the truth of Jesus Christ. Everything. Now that's a big shift for us because we struggle as the Apostle Paul struggled. And there are so many things that kind of rise up to take priority in our lives. But here in 1 Corinthians 9, the main thing we see the Apostle Paul dying to is any sense of my rights, my privileges, my pride, my status, my power. None of that has any meaning anymore. When it comes to Apostle Paul saying, my rights, he says, I give those up and I hand those over for the sake of the gospel. Remember, the Apostle Paul has made clear that there are things in the law, the dietary laws of eat this and don't eat this throughout the Old Testament, you find in Leviticus, those dietary laws, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you are free from those. You, those in no way bind you at all. You are free. Yet, if he is with other Jews who have not come to Christ yet, and he is reaching them to the gospel, then he gives up his right to eat as he would like so that he would not cause any unnecessary obstacle or stumbling because everything is about not his own rights and freedom, 
but everything is about the gospel. And if he is with the Greeks, those who do not have those laws, then he eats and conducts himself in a certain way of those things that don't contradict the moral law of Scripture so that, again, he doesn't cause any unnecessary obstacles or hindrances. It's all about death to himself and lifting up the gospel. So that's kind of the focus as we enter into this, as we look at this passage of Scripture. If you'd like, on the back of your bulletin, there is an outline, and we'll be going through that and looking at some of the Scripture references there that draw out some of these themes. So if we look back at verse 19, we see this lifted up, that we are free from all. If you are in Jesus Christ, you know the truth, and the truth has set you free. And you are free in Christ. So even though we are free in Christ, and even though the Apostle Paul in verse 19 makes clear, though I am free and belong to no man, as the Apostle Paul says, I belong to Christ now. There's no man that I belong to, yet I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Let's just, just think of that. Think of that sacrifice, that complete giving of oneself, because what is everything about now for the Apostle Paul? The gospel. Everything's about the gospel. It's no longer about himself. It's no longer about his own pride. It's no longer about him having possessions. It's no longer about the things of this world. It's about the gospel. And here he makes it so clear as this, that even though he is free from all, he will become a slave to every person in order that all the more would be one for Jesus Christ. This is, this is beyond our comprehension. This is, well, this is what we see in Jesus Christ. Remember what Christ did. Christ, who is a member of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he would so empty himself that he'd come and take on human flesh. He would live a life where he is persecuted, where he is mocked, where he is spat upon and beaten. He would allow himself to be crucified on the cross after an unjust trial so that he could bear our sin and bear God's wrath and give us his perfect righteousness. Does Jesus Christ become a slave in that way? Does he give everything so that we could have salvation? He does. That's what Jesus does. So all the Apostle Paul is doing in 1 Corinthians 9 is saying, if that's what Jesus Christ did so that we could be saved, then what do we do with the lost around us in hopes that they would come to salvation? This again is when Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. 
It's one of the most powerful and challenging statements in Scripture. When Jesus Christ looks at you and me and says, pick up your cross, what he's saying is, crucify. You, you give your life. You, you're going to go the way of crucifixion, of sacrifice, of suffering, of losing everything of this world and, and this life so that you gain all eternity in Jesus Christ. That whole pick up your cross and follow means anything on this earth you lose, you hold so loosely. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, you have a grip on him that can't be shaken. That's, that's what we're seeing here. But this is powerful. This speaks to us. This convicts me because I go through my life and I see so many things of, of my flesh or my desires or my will that I hold so tightly to that I leave very little grip to take hold of Christ. Oh, if I go through my week, I, I look at the list of my priorities and my agendas and that, and so much of it has to do with my rights and my desires and my wants, and so little of it has to do with picking up my cross and giving everything and sacrificing everything so that this neighbor or this person I know would have the gospel lifted up in their life. So that's the powerful conviction of 1 Corinthians 9 as we look at what it is to be a church of evangelism and lifting up the gospel. So in verse 19, he sets that. He says, though we are free from all, we become a servant to all to win more of them. In Galatians 5, Paul speaks there to the church in Galatia a similar thing. He says, he says, aren't we free? He's speaking of himself. Am I not an apostle? In Galatians 5.1, he says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not again submit to a yoke of slavery. The slavery he's saying there is don't let people force you into regulations or human traditions or these other things where you think you have to do those things to be saved. He's saying, don't submit to that slavery, but in freedom in Christ, be willing to give up all your rights and be that type of a slave to the unsaved, that you would sacrifice everything in the hopes that God would use that to be about their salvation. So that's the little shift between Galatians and here where that's being filled out. In 1 Corinthians 9, 1, at the beginning of this chapter, the Apostle Paul says, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? So that's, that's who Paul was. He was an apostle. Yet he is willing to sacrifice everything for the most humble, lowly believer in one of these churches so that they would have Jesus Christ. His own power, his own position meant nothing to him. It was to be given away so that others would know Christ. That's why in verses 20 through 21 through 22, he talks about to the Jews, I become as a Jew to win Jews. To those outside of the law, I become as one outside of the law. 
and 22, to the weak, I become weak to win the weak. We see there's going to be a lot of dialogue in 1 Corinthians where there were some that wouldn't eat meat offered to idols because they felt that contaminated it. So, but the Apostle Paul makes clear that an idol is nothing, so meat offered to it, it doesn't really do anything wrong to it, doesn't contaminate it. But at the end of the day, for the Apostle Paul, if I'm with someone who has those convictions that they can't eat that, then I don't eat it. My freedom and right to eat that is given away because what's more important than me eating what I want? The gospel. That's what he's saying, to the weak I become weak. I do everything I can to submit to the gospel. The gospel becomes the priority of everything. My time, my schedule, my money, my relationships, my focus. And that's the end of 22 when he says, I do all things for all people that by all means I might save some. I first take you to John chapter 13. So we see this in the cross, but there's another moment where we see this displayed. It's John chapter 13 starting at verse 13. Here's where Jesus sets this example that the Apostle Paul is setting and living out for other believers. It's John 13, 13. Jesus says, You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. That's why it was so hard for Peter when Jesus wrapped a towel around himself and stooped down to wash Peter's feet, the lowliest job of the most humble servant. This is the King of kings and Lord of lords washing the filthy feet of his disciple. And he gives this as a commission, as a command. And this is what we see the Apostle Paul living out where the gospel is lifted up. And that means we are willing to wash the feet of those in hopes that God would use us and the message of the gospel to bring them to salvation. In 2 Timothy 2, he says, Therefore I endure everything. I endure everything. That means all persecution, all mocking, I endure the loss of all my property, all my time, my energy. I endure everything for the sake of the elect. This is God's elect. I will endure everything. I will lose everything, give everything for the sake of God's elect. That they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with 
eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Getting into relationships with the unsaved, whether it's a friend, a relative, a stranger, a neighbor, whoever it is, it can get messy, it can get costly, it can consume your time and your life. But what the Apostle Paul is saying here and what Jesus is teaching us and showing us is whatever you lose on this heaven and earth pales in comparison to what you will have in glory forever. We can't lose perspective of that. Remember, who knows how many few short years we have on this heaven and earth. You could live to 120, but in comparison to eternity, that's a very small amount of time. So if we realize that the gospel becomes a priority, if Jesus Christ becomes our everything, then we realize... Well, we're willing to give everything and lose everything and sacrifice everything for the gospel so that more and more will be with us and be with their Lord forever and ever. We see where that guides our priorities and the focus of our time. Well, the Apostle Paul goes from 19 to 23 of forsake of the gospel, and then he uses the analogy of the athlete. And that is 25 through 27. He talks about how an athlete exercises self-control and focus. And if a worldly athlete will do this all for temporary glory and the things of this earth, how much more are we motivated and compelled to be focused and deliberate and giving of our life so that others would come to salvation and have something that does not perish. That's why in verse 27, he concludes, I discipline my body, I keep it under control, lest after preaching the others, I should be disqualified. Disqualified. There's a, beautiful passage of scripture that parallels that and that's what i i end with it's first timothy four he takes this discipline and he gives us a model of what it is to live our lives in such a way where the gospel is seen as the priority where christ is seen as our greatest treasure our greatest hope and our greatest focus and where the glory of god is seen as what we're lifting up in all things We see in 1 Timothy 4 this, and it's about the same words. We see the parallel here. For while bodily training is of some value, this is what I spend so much time on. This is why I eat the way I do and run and all this and train and do push-ups and pull-ups, this and that. Here's what the Apostle Paul, this is what he says about all that effort that I exert in all these things. He says this, for while bodily training is of some value, and this some, it's, it's a, 
It's very little value. I mean, this is a pretty, you know, he's like, oh, that's nice. Kind of, oh, yeah, that's, you know. Godliness. Here we go. Uh-oh. Godliness is a value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end, and this is where he's talking about this self-control, self-discipline for the sake of the gospel. Other words for self-control and self-discipline are this. It's 1 Timothy 4.10. For to this end we toil and strive. Toil and strive. This means that our life isn't just consumed with what's fun and enjoyable, but no, it's our life is consumed with sacrifice and service for the sake of the gospel, where it's, it could be toiling and striving. Because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things, let no one despise you for your youth. He's speaking to Timothy here. But set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. So this is part of that self-control. These are the areas where we are in prayer. We are confessing to God our sins and weaknesses. The Holy Spirit is guiding us and strengthening us in the likeness. And these are the areas where we are seeking to be self-controlled by God's grace and His love is in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Verse 13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. So Scripture is being lifted up to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by the prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. And here it is. Keep a close watch on yourself. This is where the Apostle Paul is talking about, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Saying you keep examining yourself. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself, see this is the exact parallel to 1 Corinthians 9, that you may save both yourself and your hearers. It's a powerful passage. Powerful passage. That's my hope and encouragement is through this coming week, you would read 1 Timothy 4, 8 through 16. You would read it and pray through it. Then you'd read it and pray through it again. Then you'd read it and pray through it again. And that would become a pattern through this coming week as we hope to understand and live out this passage. So this self-control, this discipline, we see I have it broken up from that passage in three things. An example where the gospel and the scriptures and the truth would so permeate our speech, our conduct, our love, our faith, and our purity that Jesus Christ is lifted up. Can we do this perfectly? Oh, 
If you could do it perfectly, I need to meet with you. I need your counsel. But even though we fail and struggle and, and continue through our temptation days, we are thankful that the Holy Spirit would do this work and bring us to repentance where we need continual repentance. We see the devotion part. That's the example, the devotion part, where the public reading of Scripture, exhortation, teaching, this is where we're building each other up with songs and hymns and spiritual songs and speaking God's Word into each other's lives so that as we go out and interact with the unsaved, we have a word to speak. We can point them to Christ and encourage them to come to salvation. And then self-control is not only about an example, it's not only about our devotion, it's about a close watch. We watch over ourselves. This has been brought so, so clear to me as I've been in the midst of these situations with our classes, I and other pastors, and as we've been convicted to try to lift up the gospel and to fight against this false teaching and lift up Christ here and that it's very easy to understand ourselves as, oh, look at us. Look what we're doing. And every one of us were able to meet together at this last classes meeting, these, these pastors trying to lift up the truth and say, hey, how are you doing? Are you staying in the Word? Are you staying true? Realizing that we need to keep a close watch over ourself because pride comes before the fall. Continuing examining ourselves, continually humbling ourselves before God, knowing that we all are saved by grace, and but for the grace of God go I. Go I. So that's what Paul is lifting up in this life of self control. So that's my hope and prayer. I want you right now as we're closing to, to think of someone, to think of someone who you are going to interact with in this coming week who does not know Jesus Christ, doesn't believe, doesn't believe at all. They have, they have no salvation in Jesus Christ. And I want you to think of that person. And I want you through this coming week, as you're reading through and praying through 1 Timothy 4.8, I want you to pray, Lord, help me do whatever you're calling me to do to lift up the gospel with this person. Be careful with that prayer. Be careful, I warn you. It could cost you your very life. But that is the life that we're called to in Jesus Christ. So let us pray. Father, we are so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for your son, Jesus Christ, who would wash his disciples' feet, who would go to the cross for us. Father, we're so grateful for the apostle Paul, who would be all things for all people so that some would come to salvation. Father, we pray, all of us, for that, that person that, that we are going to focus in on this coming week. Father, we pray that you would make them alive to believe, 
Because only you can save someone. Only you can change a heart and mind. Father, we pray that you will give them a heart of flesh, that you would make them alive to believe, and that they would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. In Christ's wonderful name, amen.